0: Okay, I think I've got it all together now. Good morning, church. Um, as Major mentioned, we are continuing our journey in the book of James, and I think that we can best describe James's letter to the church as a how-to book for Christian living. In the pages of this letter, we've learned about joy and patience. We've learned about looking at the inward image. We've learned about our faith, and we've learned about the words that we say. And today. We're going to meet in chapter four for an eye exam. How many of you have been, had eye exams? Been to the eye doctor? Well, um, today James is going to give us an eye examine, examination, but not in the typical sense that you would expect, and we'll get to that in a minute. You know, last week when you came in here, um, there was uh, trash and rubbish all over the stage, And Thomas spoke about the pollution that comes out of our mouths. And I thought that, you know, as a nice contrast to all of that rubbish, that we should clean it up a little bit. So if you came into church today thinking that we were going to be doing your laundry, you're mistaken. But I will say that cleanliness is next to godliness, and I wanted to have a clean sermon today. (laughs) But actually, when I was looking at today's passage, I got to thinking about, you know, that what James was saying in these words um, to the churches in James 4, 1 through 10, it's really a message that I think that could be delivered from a soapbox, and I think that he would get on his soapbox and address the people with the words that he had to say. Listen to what he said now. I wish that I had the talent that Thomas has to be able to recite scripture without looking, but I don't have that talent. Um, I wish I did, but I don't, so I, I can't make this as dramatic as he probably would if he was able to stand on this soapbox, but this is what James says. What is causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you don't want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And then this is where James goes into it a little bit further, and he addresses the folks, and he says, you adulterers, don't you realize that when you have friendship with the world, it makes you an enemy to God? I'll say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy to God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit God has placed within us is filled with envy? But he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but favors the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And he will lift you up in honor. May God add his blessing to the reading of today's word. I recently heard a story about a wife who came home to find her husband in the kitchen shaking frantically. And what she noticed is that he had a cord attached to his waist and the electric coffee pot in his hand. She knew he was being electrocuted, so she went out into the yard, and she got a plank. She came back in, and she whacked that thing out of his his hands to break that deadly current. Well, she realized later, after she had broken his arm in two places, that he was happily listening to his iPod while getting a cup of coffee. (laughs) Now, you know, when I was younger, there never would have been any mistake, because You know, we didn't have iPods. We had what we called boom boxes. And usually they were pretty big, and you pretty much knew what they were listening to and what the motions you were. Either they were on your shoulders or on your ground. But today, my iPod looks like this. It's so small. So it's natural to think that you could be getting electrocuted if you've got this and some wires running up. We didn't have the wires either It's so small, but our our iPods, our iPads, our iPhones, these little devices that connect us to a really big world. And in that big world, we have so many influences that come to us on a daily basis. Our lifestyles are marketed to us on a continual basis, regularly. This is the way that we need to live. This is the way we need to look. This is the way we need to act and behave. Did you know that the average person gets 7.5 hours of screen time a day? 7.5 hours of screen time of the world coming to us, whether it's coming into our ears, whether it's coming into our eyes, 7.5 hours, iPods, iPads, computers, televisions, movie screens, whatever it is. The world can begin to run our lives. We also have social media, things such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And these are all mediums where we are finding places of friending and following. Friending and following. I think that James's passage is warning us this morning about what we are friending and what we are following in this world. Are we friending and following the world or are we friending and following Christ? You see, our society that we live in right now is self-absorbed. We are preoccupied with the me factor. Therefore, we can assume that many of the problems that we face today are because of selfishness. One pastor summed this up by by stating, self-centeredness and its related vices, which is crime, thieves, illegitimacy, child neglect, are exploding in America because after centuries of Western philosophy devoted to that purpose, Americans glorify extreme individualism way beyond its limits. Look at some of the news coverage that we have seen on those little boxes just this week. Do these names ring a bell with you? Aaron Hernandez, Paula Deen, George Zimmerman, Edward Snowden. If you look at each one of these news stories, they involve some sort of selfish ambition whether it be directly related to that person or the people around them trying to get something. Selfishness. So let's examine our eyes. Let's take a look at our eyes. And I'd like to start with the first eye condition, which is our eye passions. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them James explains that the conflicts we face result from the evil battles within us we want more possessions we want more money we want a higher status we want more recognition and when we don't get what we want we fight in order to get it the reason that it is so hard for us to recognize this eye condition that we have in this society today is because it's been normalized And so many immoral things have been normalized, and in some cases, legalized. Society has normalized and blinged out worldly desires, so much so that it seems that they're okay. The problem is, is that if you have an issue with it, it's your problem, not the world. That's the way Satan has has set it up. Billy Graham once stated that the more worldly pleasures that we enjoy, the less satisfied and contented we are with life. Hence, the quarrels and the fights. Reverend Graham also appropriately articulated that evil is present to clearly disguise itself as good. Evil is present to clearly disguise itself as good evil is present to control and to des- deceive us Thomas shared last week that the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy I've shared it before Satan is hell-bent on destroying anything that brings us closer to Christ he's gonna make the world look good And he's gonna make it look so good that it's gonna lure us in. It's just like the skit that the praise team presented for you a little bit earlier today. When you play around with sin, they saw the sign that was there that says, Do not touch, but they went and touched. Nothing really happened. And then they touched again, and then they got stuck there. And then they wanted to lure other people in because it felt good, it was comfortable. It was a nice place to sit. And you saw all of the images on the screens behind them showing the many things in this world that take precedence over God. To this, James exclaims to us, you adulterers, friending the world is cheating on God. Friending the world is cheating on God. And then we move into the next eye condition, <clears throat> the eye prayers. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So James defines these, prayer, these problems with prayer. And normally, prayer should be a good thing, Right? We're instructed to do that, to continue that conversation with God. But James points out that, number one, we don't pray. We think that we can do things on our own, which leads to pride. We don't ask. We ask for the wrong things, or we ask for the wrong reasons. You see, if we are driven by our selfish motives, then we're going to make selfish prayers, Are we asking for things that are going to satisfy our desires or are we seeking God's approval for something that we've already planned to do? I prayers. 1 John 3, 21 and 22 says, Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and we do the things that please him. You know, this doesn't mean that you can go before God and ask for whatever you want, like riches and other worldly things. But if you are truly seeking God's will for your life, there are things out there that you just won't ask for. Your prayers will become powerful, and it'll allow God to transform your desires so that they correspond with his will for you, not the world's will for you. And the world has a very evident will for you. The next eye uh, condition is the I pride. Simply put, God opposes the proud. I pride. From our selfish desires, pride is birthed. We want things, and then we want power. We want prominence, and we want popularity. How many of you have been in one of those situations where it's one of those say uncle situations where somebody gets you in a headlock or they pinch you really hard and they say, I'm not going to let loose until you say uncle. Say uncle. Come on, say uncle. And because of your pride, you hold on and you say, I will not give in and say uncle. That's your pride speaking. And a lot of times it leads to a nasty bruise and some conflict look how a childish action brings pride to the center stage i'm not going to say uncle i'm not going to give you that satisfaction but proverbs 13 10 says pride leads to conflict pride makes us even more self-centered and it leads us to conclude that we deserve all that we can see all that we can touch and all that we can imagine it builds within us greedy appetites For more than what we need here's an example and I will get on my soapbox about this one just in the national spotlight that when the debate on a national level becomes about free birth control for college students and not the family that's living under a cardboard box worrying about their next meal or the child down the street that's being abused or the women that are being sold into the sex trade and trafficked. That selfishness. We've got some real issues that we have in this world. And that's what the national stage is. And the world tells us that's OK. And I will say to you, if you are a college student and you're not married, there's no need for birth control. You need the Bible. Hollywood puts many images in our mind. The world has so, so many world-friended agendas that take our focus off of God and puts it on people. That makes him jealous. James reminds us that pride causes conflict with others because he, I'm sorry, James reminds us that pride causes conflict with others and it causes conflict with God God opposes the proud but favors the humble pride creates its own agenda without consideration of God and others so what is the answer what is the prescription what kind of lens do we need to put on to address these eye conditions I surrender that's the the prescription that we need to follow It's appropriate that we sang that old hymn this morning, I Surrender All, words and melodies that are intertwined to create a beautiful prayer of surrender to Christ. James gives us several practical sentences that provide a solution to end the fighting and the friendship with the world. First of all, he tells us, give in to God. Humble yourselves to God. The perfect place to start just give in to god let him stop those battles and those quarrels and those wars that are going on within you that are noted in verse one who do you want to be in charge of your lives the world or god who jealously loves you he jealously loves you number two you need to tell satan to take a hike Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, resist is a war term. Wise up. Be alert, church. Satan does not look like the little man with the horns and the pitchfork. He comes to steal, and he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy, and he does it in a way that makes it look good and pleasing. He makes the world look good to us. We need to be wise to his plans because he wants to destroy your relationships, he wants to destroy your families, your marriages, and he wants to destroy your church because anything that glorifies Christ is against Satan. He revels in our arguments and he loves destroyed relationships. And when we are relying on the world, that's his grand show. He loves that. Let's not give him that satisfaction. The next thing that, that James tells us to do is that we just need to come close to God. Come close to God and he will come close to you. It's such a simple concept, isn't it? When we come to close to God, he's gonna meet us there. Have you ever found yourself in the middle of a storm and you just wonder, when is the rain gonna stop? When is the wind gonna stop? When are we gonna get dry? And then you realize That all you needed to do was turn it over to God well we know as a church what we need to do to come close to God is that we need to talk to him we need to read our Bibles we need to go to church we need to join a Bible study we need to turn the eye products off he will come close to us when we seek him And then finally, James says, to purify your heart. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Here, James is telling us to be genuinely sorry for our self-centeredness and to ask for forgiveness for making the world more important than God, for putting people and things before God. So our prescription, the I prescription is I surrender. So you've given in to God. You've given Satan the boot. You're drawing closer to God, and you've cleansed your heart. Now what? Verse 10 tells us, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. And humility is the way to honor I love the verse in Romans 12:2 where Paul tells us not to copy the behaviors or the customs of the world. Actually, I like the version that says, "Don't become so well adjusted to the world that you fit in without even knowing it. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think." The behaviors and customs of the world are usually a means to corrupting us and making us become of the world. And again, it's tricky because Satan makes the world look so appalling, appealing. I wish he made it look appalling, but he makes it look appealing. Bowing in humility before the Lord means recognizing that our worth and who we are comes from God, and it comes from God alone. To be humble means relying on his strength and direction. This means we cannot go our own way and try to do it independently. It won't work. Even though we don't deserve it, we have God's favor. He wants to lift us up and make us worth something, dignified, and he wants to do that all in despite of our shortcomings. Now, don't get me wrong, God wants us to have good things, and there's nothing wrong With enjoying some of the things that the world gives us. But when it overpowers God, it needs to be unfriended and it needs to be unfollowed. Because I'll tell you something, the world is going to fail us every single time. And I would ask you this morning do you have things in your life that are tearing you away from Christ? Do you have things that you need to surrender to Christ? Maybe you have some things in your life that need to be unfriended. As the song said in the beginning, you've got to serve someone. You've got to serve someone. Who's it going to be? The Lord? Or is it going to be the devil? I ask you to bow your heads right now. And we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good and wonderful things that you offer us in this world. We thank you for the people and the relationships that we have. But Lord, we also come before you and we ask for forgiveness for the things that take our eyes off of you. Lord, if there's anybody in here right now that needs to just, I surrender that prescription to let go and let you be the charge of their lives. Lord, I just lift those people up to you right now. You know who they are. They know who they are. But Lord, none of us are perfect. And we know that we get stuck in these traps on a continual basis of the things that the world offers us. Lord, help us to be wise. Help us to be alert. Help us to resist that. Go with us today as we leave this place and into the world and help us be Jesus. We love you, Lord.